So we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the Marseille View and today we're going to debrief the Marseille against Bordeaux game last night where Marseille saw, uh, saw Bordeaux off 3-1 after another, another thriller of a game uh, at home. Uh, Marseille was playing the uh, third team in the league after playing on, on Tuesday against Andre who was also at the time third in the league. So another big team that Marseille brought down uh, which is something that we're starting to get used to and uh, after our sixth win in a row, which is something that has not been done since the 2014-2015 Bielsa squad, is something that we're definitely getting accustomed of doing. So uh, I'm going to introduce a bit of the speakers, but um, after last week's podcast was when we had to uh, debrief two games in one podcast, so we had to uh, gloss over some of the, the in-depth analysis. Um, this week we'll go back to our usual lineup and our usual structure uh, of going line by line and kind of... Um, debriefing more in detail each player because for this game in particular there was, there's definitely some notable mentions to have you know whether it's going to be talking about Amavi's resurrection um, about Chetasar's confirmation Alvaro Gonzalez's big comeback in the defence Kamara being put as a number six and obviously uh, Payet as, a, as, as the Ballon d'Or uh, nominee that he should be also going through Sherman's, <laughs> Sherman's uh, comeback also, but maybe maybe the only negative of the podcast tonight. So without further ado, let's just get straight into it. Um, but first, let me welcome our speakers. Um, I'll start with Stefan. How are you doing, Steph? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Pretty, pretty sick game last night, no? It was a really good game, yeah. I was really impressed. I really enjoyed it. Nice tempo to it. Lots going on, yeah. Lots, lots of positives. Yeah, there's definitely one, one thing. Like, regardless of the result, like these are the kind of games where, as a neutral, you would be like, in like really excited to watch the, the French league if that happened every Sunday night. Of course, and it's you know as a Marseille fan though as well, it's really good to be able to watch games like this right now, like big, against big teams, and enjoy the games. You know, not just about the results, but about the way we're actually playing. We're getting into games against our big rivals and we're actually playing football. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Right, so before we get into that, let me introduce our other speaker, and that is Ben. Sorry, how are you doing, Ben? Hi, hi, very well, very well. Yeah, um, yeah. You finished at Hummus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no crunching sounds, I promise. Yeah, he, he's the reason we're, we're eight minutes late on a podcast, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so what um you, you it's funny you mentioned um from the neutral point of view, it was funny last night we had um so it was there was a couple of regulars at the bar. Uh, we had two or three people who were on, on sort of weekend trips from Marseille and um 
they were like, oh, we saw the Twitter page, and when we saw you guys had a HQ, we had to come and take selfies and watch the games. They're like, well, okay, word's, word's spreading that we have a HQ here now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, cool. um, and there was a British lad who just finished his shift at work. I was chatting with him outside. Uh, he's an Arsenal fan. And he was, um, I mean, he obviously saw us all cheering in the first half and stuff. And then in the second half, he was he came to sat with us, sit with us and had the chat and was really sort of impressed. So, no, it was, yeah, it was, it was a good game for the neutrals. <laughs> Might be the only time for an Arsenal fan just to watch a, a French league game and say that we can actually play better than Arsenal. Well, at the minute, the way fucking Arsenal playing, it's not difficult. Anybody's <laughs> playing better than Arsenal, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right, cool. So let's get, let's dwell back a bit more detail about the game. So like I said, Marseille was playing at home against third place Bordeaux to try and to have uh, another test to consolidate this second place and not so much to, to, to piss off PSG, but more to make sure and to push all of our, rival, our real rivals back uh, out of the podium. So obviously Lyon was playing a big game uh, away at Nîmes uh, and even had managed to win. Uh, Lille also won, which put a lot of pressure on Marseille to win this game. And without any disappointment, they continued their streak, winning 3-1 uh, with the contribution of uh, Yassin Adli, who scored uh, Bordeaux's first goal. And it was still 1-0 for Bordeaux at halftime. Um, but Marseille managed, coming out of the locker room, to score essentially straight away from a, a brilliant Payet free kick into Amavi's header, who managed to equalise and score his first goal for Marseille in the French League which was uh, quickly followed by an insane um, high-press formation situation where Sanson managed to, 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 to launch a, a ball straight into the top bins, which was then all capped by uh, who else but Nemanja Radonic, uh, who, who interestingly will soon be the, the Marseille top league scorer um, if he keeps up the space. Mm -hmm. um, But one of the main inter point of interrogation is what Marseille was going to look like at home because we played Angers, where the tactic was clear to, to, to give Angers the ball because they looked so uncomfortable with the ball. And before that, we played against Brest at home, where we completely asphyxiated them. Um, and playing against Bordeaux, who obviously won 6-0 their last game and played with over 72% possession, who loves having the ball, it was quite interesting coming into this game as to how Marseille was going to play this out. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but there was kind of a lot of different tactics. There was a lot of situational football being played where Marseille adopted different formation and different um, kind of pressing tactics and, and play style, which ended up working. So uh, I'll, I'll go straight into asking you how you felt about the game. What, what did you think, Steph? When you came into this game, what were you expecting playing Bordeaux arrival? And uh, how did you kind of live this first and second half? Um, I think going into the game, I felt confident that we could win the game though I was a little bit nervous as well because I recognised that Bordeaux were in good form, they were quite high up in the league, um, even though I find that quite surprising because I think their squad's quite weak and I don't really rate their manager much either but um, I was a bit worried just, you know, because you're bound to get caught out eventually, isn't it, when you're on a win and run um, but I think um, the actual performance, you know, it was brilliant, yeah, I think we were really good Um, really positive, pressed really high, you know, played with a good tempo, you know, constantly looking to attack every time we get the ball. We really had Bordeaux pinned back for much of the game. And even when we were getting beat, you know, it was very much we were losing against the run of play, but you kind of felt that we were always capable of 
coming back into the game and, and, and you know and equalising and and even going on to win it. I never I was never too worried throughout the game that we were going to lose. Um, so yeah, I think what, a really even good even after the first half. At half time, you were still quite confident. Yeah, because I th- I felt like the first half I felt like we had outplayed them apart from the goal, um, and I know after the goal we kind of looked a little bit flat for a little bit, but I I just I don't know I just felt like there was we started off quite well and I felt comfortable that we would come into the second half and sort of lift the level which we did. Yeah, I wasn't to me Bodo didn't really show much in the game at all. Um, I think they had apart from I mean they scored an amazing strike you know from outside <laughs> the box. Um, but apart from that, um, I, the only chance I really remember was my, the English guy up front, Magi, he had a chance through on goal. We had it, um, and on the saved it quite well. Yeah, only a half chance. They only had three shots the entire game, so it's nothing to scream about for them. No, exactly. So they never really looked like um, putting us under much pressure. You know, their goal was a bit of a, a lucky goal in that it was just a, a great strike from, you know, a long range strike um, that the keeper really had no chance of saving. So no, I think I think that we were all we always looked like we we were going to and should win the game, um, and I think that you can just see the confidence in the players right now, um, and maybe that's the thing that's most mostly diff, most different from how we were last season. And I know like there's the influence of the the manager and his you know tactical repertoire maybe that he has that maybe Garcia didn't have. Um, ta- um, tact- tactical Arsenal, if you say if you can say that. Um, but I think that the the thing that I see on the pitch, which is really telling, is just the attitude and how 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 more confident the players are in their own abilities. You know, you've got players like Amavi and Sanson who are really struggling before are playing. You know, now to the level that they should be playing resurrected. Like, yeah, exactly. They've, now they actually believe that they are decent footballers, which they are. They've just been underperforming for so long. Um, and I, so I think that now we're starting to reap the rewards of this kind of um, revitalised team spirit, you know. Um, so, yeah, some some good stuff happening right now. What a long may it last. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant. What about you, Ben? What, what, what did you expect coming into this game and how did it pan out for you? Well, I did. I did say on Tuesday that I expected a closer game. I, I expected the whole game to be like the first half because I, 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 I admire your optimism, Steph, and I, I, I get it because yeah, we. I think after we'd equalised, you just had the, the the sense that we were going to go on and win it because it just feels like we're untouchable at the minute from a mental and and enthusiasm point of view, as you say, the confidence in the players. But the first half was I, I was a bit dis. I wouldn't say disappointed. I. I I think I expected it when I saw that Benedetto was a last-minute injured forfeit for the game. Um, you just knew with Germain that we would have to tweak the system slightly, and, and AVB did that by playing Kamara in midfield. So I think he realised that the only way to, to proper make a go of it with Germain was going to be to, to have more possession and get the ball back quicker in midfield and, and press higher. But still, I, I think that in the first half, we didn't, we didn't really create much, guys. I mean... Payet had a shot on target in the 39th minute or something. But apart from that, we were having like half chances where we were taking a shot and it was always getting blocked by a defender and, and the keeper had very little to do in the first half. So I was a bit anxious at half-time. Yeah. Don't you think that was just because um, Bordeaux were playing so defensively? You know, they had three centre-backs and two wing-backs and they were. it looked to me like they were going there to park the bus. 
So you often when it's like that, you you know it can take time to break teams down. But we were we yeah. were still moving the ball about well, you know some of the football we were playing was nice. Um, it was, it was. The chances were going to. I felt that the chances would would come eventually, and they did. Yeah, it was. It, it was good football, but it was very heavily weighted to the left, obviously with Payet. And mm-hmm. I think yeah. towards towards the end of the first half, when Payet went out on the right and stayed there for a bit, is when we started losing the ball because I think we, we were all we'll all agree that last year we were all rate well, even though it was a dire season, we were still praising the sort of complementarity that between. Um, Tova and Sakai on the right and, and this year now they're back on top form Amavi and, and Payet are quite a solid partnership Amavi in the first half and the whole game you know, to be fair really impressive but in the first half he was overlapping Payet really really often mm. and he was he was getting into really good crossing positions I mean he still needs to improve his delivery a bit but he, he was he's a perfect example of someone who's been revitalised and We'll talk about him in more detail in a bit. But yeah, yeah. It, it just felt a bit shaky in the first half. And then after we'd equalised, I, I, we all just knew in the bar, we were all like, right, we know we're going to go and win this now. Mm. And it's, it's, he's actually, Amavi's a prime example because he's one of the players where last season, to kind of find excuses for some of the players of the squad for, for, for uh, poor performances, we said for a lot, we said for a lot of them, you know they played poorly, but let's wait and see how they how they look and how they shape in with a real coach who's giving them real assignments and real confidence. But even saying that, like personally, I was still saying in spite of that, I still think Amavi is the last course for football. Even with a new coach, I don't think Amavi <laughs> can can get much better. And well, uh, he he's yeah. been he's been good, and I mean he's been underrated because at the start of the season he was still very good. But maybe he may not get much better than this. But if this is the level he plays in, that's that's good enough. Oh, definitely, it's more than good enough. And I, I know we give him a hard, hard time. I think he's been so poor. But the first six months he he was with us, he was he was playing at this level every week. You know, he was he was looking really good. People were talking about him getting in the France team and things like that before he got injured. Yeah, he did. Um, he did get a pre-selection, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he did. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, so we'll probably... he's not a shit player. He's got ability, you know. Yeah. yeah so let's dive into the the, the players' performances. Um, I, pro- I suggest skipping over Mandanda, who's essentially only had to face three shots, two of them on target, and one of them was just it's like it's not like anyone was would have expected to save that shot. Um, so he didn't really do much. But I mean, it's what you want to see from your goalkeeper from a big team in a game at home. You don't want to see any any of your of of your goalkeeper. Um, so I suggest we, we kind of pass through that unless you've got any passing comments to give about him. Um, we've talked about uh, Amavi a little bit, and I guess uh, <laughs> I guess to highlight how attacking we were, um, it's it's nice to highlight that Amavi had as many shots as the whole Bordeaux team combined <laughs> in 19 <laughs> minutes. Um, including your goal, so I guess in the same amount of goals the whole Bordeaux team combined as well. Um, but let's skip to the other side, um, Hiroki Sakai, um, who has um, kind of let us down since the start of the season. Um, he's he's used to be in the past two seasons be the the reliable player that you know he wouldn't have a nine out of ten, but he would never go below five out of ten on a rating scale. And he's kind of yo-yoed with that scale, the rating scale of the season. Um, but he's come back. He was maybe a guy in his head. I didn't feel like he kind of like over, over tried or kind of like forced any any situations. He was solid. What did you guys think of him? 
Um, I thought he had a really good game, yeah. Um, very lively. Made some good runs going forward, actually. The only thing was, his, as always, his final ball was often poor. Um, I think there was one occasion where he made a run up the right and he sort of passes it across the 18-yard, then you know, the line of the 18-yard box. I can't remember to who, but or he was aiming it at, but it just goes straight to the Bordeaux player. And it was just, it kind of looked like he's if he... Yeah, I don't know if he was actually looking for any player or if it was just, you know, he's an autopilot, like now it's time to cross the ball or give it to someone else. And he doesn't really, you know, have a plan in place about where he's actually trying to put it. Um, so, yeah, I do think, like, as always, like his final ball, the end product often lets him down, but his work rate, energy up and down the pitch was, you know, was, was so good and played a big part in how we were able to you know, constantly keep the pressure on Bordeaux um, and keep that tempo going throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ben, the, I, I felt like, and tell me what you think, I felt like I feel like the, the chemistry between Bunasan and Sakai is getting a lot better. Um, you know, they're not stepping over each other's toes anymore as much as they are, even though it still leaves a lot to be desired and we're still kind of aching to get two of them back. But it's, it, this side <laughs> of the, I mean, this side of the pitch is clearly improving, isn't it? Well, I'm... I said it on Twitter. I'm, I'm was very surprised to see Sakai was not out injured because he looked like he'd really hurt his shoulder, dislocated it on 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 Tuesday. But he was able to start, and not only start, he did put in a good performance. He wasn't one of the top three performers, but he was definitely one of one of the good ones. Um, I agree with you because hey, I've I've been praising Bunasar for a few weeks now, so it's nice <laughs> that you guys jump on the bandwagon a bit. But yeah, they yeah they. I have they, not. They, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you ever will. But um, then again, I never thought I'd be praising Amavi. So, you know, times change. But uh, yeah, he had, he had a solid game. I think what, what has been his main handicap so far is that we have played them a lot more than we would have done some, th- this time last season. I think he played three or four less games because um, Garcia was rotating him and Saar a bit more. But he, I think we also neglect the fact that there's been a quite, I think, I feel personally, I don't know if it's true, but I feel there's been more international breaks this year and he, he's had to travel back and forth to Japan. So yeah. it's not helpful. It's not helpful that he, he, he comes back and we often have, you know, the, the, the sort of the primetime games. And so I, I will give him credit or credit. I'll give him a bit of forgiveness for that and I'll give him a bit of, you know, an extra bit of tolerance if he has a, a bad game or so. But he's been pretty consistent. I think it's worth mentioning as well that he's always getting moved around between right and left, and that's going to have an impact on um, his consistency, you know, to settle into that position or 2A position. Yeah, and he's his, even played centre back as well. Yeah, exactly. So, it's, it's you know, it's, we're, we're a bit harsh on him maybe sometimes this season, but he doesn't get necessarily get a consistent run out, does he, of, uh, you know, in, this, in the same role each game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think another solid performance from, from Sakai is, is showing a bit of promise, not only for him, but also giving us another weapon to artillery of, of being a bit more dominant in that right side of the field. Um, but going, let's go shift straight into the centre with our two full-backs. Um, it was Alvaro Gonzalez's big return uh, starting. I know he came on against um, against Angers. I think. Was it, I think he came on against Angers, but it was the first time since his uh, red card against Lyon that he's back Um starting as a centre-back alongside Chaitasar uh, because obviously Kamara was not benched, he was put um, as a number six. Um, 
what did you what did you make of of his big comeback as well as Chet Because I personally thought Chet was I think he probably for me in as a as a Sunday League centre back uh, I thought Chet was was probably one of the man of the match. He was he, he he they had a big task because we all criticising Bordeaux right now. But let's not forget they've won six six nil with Madja the the Bordeaux striker scoring a hat trick. So you know it's. With, with with Yassin Adli and the Preville like kind of as a front three, so it was kind of a tall order to to ask Chaitasal and Alvaro Gonzalez to to, to pull a such performance, but they made it look quite easy. What do you think? Well, ben? I think you bring you bring the contrast back to last season when we played the way to Bottle towards the end of the season, and and Chaitasal, I think he he was brought back in the team then after, if I remember correctly, I think he'd played a couple of games before that in in the last in the five games, but he'd been out of the team and. He got he got completely bullied by De Privy. I mean, he, he just seemed off the pace and, and short of sharpness and stuff. And, and we said it on Tuesday. He's had a good running team. He's come back well. He seems to have established himself. And physically, more importantly than anything, I think physically he's back to 100%, which is is always going to be very helpful and, and add the confidence to that. Um, I think he was solid. And, and actually, whether, whether it's a comment for the defence as a whole, we were put, we did put in some very fucking crunchy tackles on De Privy in the first and second half. I think he, he ended up on the floor three times. Amavi got booked for a, a tasty challenge on him. Um, I think it was it Kamara as well. We had to bring him down, and then he, he got brought down again towards the end of the, or yeah. towards the middle of the second and half. And Chaitasar completely wiped him out as well. I'm not sure if it was, exactly. Yeah, I think it was De Privy. Yeah, but it's you know that that was good to see. I mean, when we you know we're all Marseille fans, and you know, we 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 know a lot of our fans like La Grinta and all of that and the physicality. And I felt last night and and Lyon was the first game we or was one of the, the the first games in a while we actually all got stuck in and we we tried to just bully them and you know make sure we beat them on a one to one basis individually and and make sure that they're afraid of facing us. So that was good to see from the defence, but. In all honesty, to contrast that, I, I was a bit worried about Gonzalez in the first half. He looked short of match fitness, which is normal because he's he, he's been around for four, well, three and a half games and he, he needs to find rhythm again. He did find that rhythm in the second half. He was very, very solid. But the, the first half an hour, he was he was taking some very heavy touches on the ball. I, I, I was a bit worried that he might get caught in possession, but mm. it all worked out in the end. Yeah, definitely. What did you make of it, Steph? Um, I thought... Um, Alvaro played a solid game I don't think he did anything wrong throughout the game I think he was steady and composed but I don't think he was ever really under that much pressure Um, so yeah I think a decent game I wouldn't say an outstanding game because I don't think he had to to raise his level particularly in the game Um, whereas Chiletasar I would say the same more or less that he had a good solid game um, I think maybe the goal, the Bordeaux goal, he could have been a bit um, more reactive and quicker to be in, in a better position. Um, but I think otherwise, yeah, in a good game, there was once or twice Chalitasar when he was committing fouls where I thought, you know, he's lucky he didn't, you know, he could get repeat, repeatedly get carded and find himself getting sent off in games because sometimes he makes, you know, he makes challenges and fouls where he maybe doesn't need to. Um, so yeah, I think like he still needs to work on his discipline a bit. But um, no, I, I think it's it a good solid game from him, and it's good to see that he comes forward as well. You know, we saw one occasion where he's you know he's up the left wing and he's crossing it in. Yeah. I remember. Um, so it wasn't yeah, even he's... a bad ball to be honest. 
No, no, not at all. Um, I know at first I was like, is that Sanso? And I'm like, no, it's not. It's it's Chiletasar. But um, and it's not the first time we've seen that this season. Him sort of bombing forward. Actually, we've seen that a few times. You know. Um. So yeah, it's good to see he's got that to his game as well. The ability to come forward and and play. Yeah, I'll I'll ask you very quickly before we move on to the to the midfield. I seem to throw out that debate every podcast. Um, next game against Mess next weekend. Would you leave Alvaro in to kind of find his feet, or do you think with only two games to go before the winter break, that's not so much of a priority? And would you put Kamara back in there with Chapatar? I'm fine with keeping it the way it is. I like Kamara in midfield. What about See, you I, I reckon. I mean, this is my my football coach, football manager hat on. I'd I'd give Kamara a breather in the next game. I'd leave the same centre backs and I'd put Streetman back in away from home to Mets, who should not pose too much of a threat to to even Streetman. I, I would give Kamara a breather because he he has been playing a lot of football recently. Oh. Um. So yeah, that's that's what I'd do. Someone doing the dishes as we're doing the podcast. <laughs> not me. <laughs> it was a monster. All right, so well, let, let's move on to him, actually. Let's move on to the midfield. Uh, we'll talk about probably the two of the men of the match um, yesterday, but we'll, let's first focus on, on the surprising um, player in, a, in the lineup, at least at this position, um, is Kamara as a number six. Um, seeing Strutman's recent run of form when he's been quite promising and quite dominating in this position, um, Villas Boas, for some reason, I mean, you, you guess pretty kind of make theories as to why, but decided to put Kamara instead in that position. Um, what what did you what did you think about him about about him there? Do you, do you like his position in general, or and how do you think he managed to kind of hold the Preville and, and Adley? He he had two players to man mark essentially. Seeing how Sanson and Rangier were bombing forward, he had to deal with both Yassin Adley and the Preville by himself. Um, I th- I thought he had a good game actually. Um, I don't think he had a perfect game though, but he did have a good game. Um, I think that he is, I think he's comfortable in that role. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential there. Um, you know, I was saying to you Ben earlier on, the you know last I think last week um, AVB was interviewed and he he sort of compared him to David Luiz and that he's someone that can play the back and in midfield he's very he's a defender he's very comfortable in the ball he's got good technical oh. qualities good range of passing and things like that um, although in a not in a less positive note he's also got the tendency to have a bit of a defensive relapse in it and make some mistakes yeah but that's one more ho- reason ho- hopefully in time he'll be a better defender than David Luiz um, but no he's very he's, he's, he's very nice to watch I, I really I, like enjoy watching his technique and the way he you know he controls the ball and move, moves the ball well for a defensive player I think that in the game it was good to see him actually contributing to move, pushing the ball forward as well. I think there was one occasion where he sort of bombed forward and then he, he finds Sakai on the right and Sakai sort of makes the run down the right. Um, it was a really, you know, good bit of counter-attacking plays, contributing to those sort of um, attacking moments as well. So, you know, he's not just be sitting tight in the number six row, he's also pushing forward when he can. Um, so... I mean, he's even potentially got the 
he could be be a player box to box role as well. I wouldn't put it past him in time. You know, I think he's good enough as a footballer. Um, yeah, if he gets a little bit more kind of accurate in the as a box to box, like in the final third. Yeah, we, we saw him shooting as well, didn't we? Actually, that's another point. He did have, I mean, it wasn't a great effort, but he's obviously um, got, you know, a, a degree of confidence in the attacking third of the pitch that he's willing to have a go as well, a long-range effort. But I do, I do think, though, that there was, in the goal, again, like Chaleta saw, I think he was, you know, at fault in, in the goal and that he goes in with a challenge and it's a very lacklustre challenge and he misses it. Mm. And the Bordeaux that, that, player... that, that, that was... Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, the Bordeaux player just manages to get it round him and so, yeah, he's... Like, there, there's moments like that where he needs to decide is he going to commit himself to to something or not because when you go in half arse like that I mean he should have either closed that space down and won the ball back or he should have stayed in position and letting not allowed any gaps to form in front of the 18 yard box and he didn't do it right you know he, he kind of went in half sort of half arsed and the, the goal led to the goal so I, I kind of think like he was largely to blame or partly to blame for the goal um, so I think that there's still errors that we're seeing in his game Every week, um, but he's yeah. I mean, he's he's like what twenty or something. He's such a good young player for for his age. Yeah, yeah but, well, that, that, that was going to be my. I, I kept it quiet because I knew we were going to move on to Kamara. But you, you, when you mentioned Sueta Saw in the goal, Kamara was 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 a fault for that goal because he he as you say he puts in a half fast challenge, but he also gets sucked in towards the ball too much. Yeah. And, and that that brings him out of position, which leaves Adley completely free in front of, well, well for De Privy to effectively just just play a little flick back to him for him to take a shot. And it was look, whatever anyone says, that was an amazing goal. I mean, you know, yeah. to, to take a shot and score it from there was was just fantastic. Fair play to him. But yeah, Chetuscar was to blame for the. Uh, sorry, no, Kamara was to blame because he, he got sucked in, and those those are the little positional errors that. Unfortunately for him, they seem to always lead to to a goal or a solid chance for the opposition. But in time, he will he will erase from his game. But I think if you if you take a step back and look at, at why he he was played there to begin with, is because again you, you mentioned it, um, Lucas, that, that AVB from a tactical point of view, the last few weeks we've been very impressed with him. I think he he sort of realised that when when you you have to play Germain. You have to give him more support because we've seen it too many times over the seasons where he's played lone striker who's been completely isolated and, and he struggles to, to position himself. But we'll get on to him in a bit. Yeah, we might, I mean, Kamara might have kind of had the potential of fixing that, but I don't think he had any effect on Jamal's well, no, performance. Well, no, not on Jamal's performance, but what he did enable was the fact that he can read the game and, and yes, I think he struggles with pace a bit, but he's still quicker than Streetman. Let's face it, I'm quicker than Streetman. Um, he. He was put in there to enable. <laughs> Still not. Yeah, but he Kamara was put on put in there to enable Sanson Rogier to get forward as often as possible and, and support Germain and support the wingers and he did that. He fulfilled that role for me. Yeah. He did perfectly with that and and, and Sanson and and Rogier being in the form that they're in just just leads to a lot a lot more you know chance chances being created. So Kamara mm. fulfilled his role. Yeah, I, I think that's spot on because when you look at the formations and how kind of they they, they, they opposed each other with with Bordeaux's three four three and Marseille four three three, 
obviously in a midfield we've got the advantage because they've got two wide midfielders and then we've got three central midfielders but kind of the back end of that is that Kamara as the as the CDM has to deal with the Preville and, and yes and Adley kind of bombing forward to him so we, we are kind of highlighting some of the defensive lapses that he had but I think that seeing the the benefit that that gives to Rangier and, and Sanson to kind of take, have that advantage in the midfield and then press higher. I thought he managed those kind of counter-attacks quite well. Um, and yes, the first goal, like, like, yeah, he had a bit of a defensive lapse there, but it's, I mean, it's not that kind of goal. You could try that again 10 times and it won't go, it, it will still won't go in. So I, I felt like the, the risk that he took and his mistakes were acceptable um, considering the, the the payback that we got from playing that tactic and leaving Kamara to deal with that on his own. Um, but let's move on to the to, to the main players um, of the of the game um, with with Rangier and Sanson. Rangier, who who's not the man of the match, um, obviously Payet, who we're going to talk about in a minute, did. Uh, but close second was Rangier, who managed to get himself an assist um, with the the third goal. Where in the ninety second minute, when everyone's like booting it out and trying to just like basically walk it off, he managed to, to strip the ball out of the, the the border defender and just bomb forward, and then have have the capable of having the the composure and like the the, the ice cold blood in his veins to just pick out the pass to Radonjic to, to score that third goal. I mean, he you guys will tell me what you think about him. He was he's just simply brilliant, and it, it seems like it doesn't matter how good he is. The week after, he's managing to be even better. What did you think, guys? Oh. Yeah, I mean, he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. He's brilliant. He's got nothing week, to say he? about him. We can move on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just yeah, exactly. It's just nothing different from the way what he is like every week. He's just he's absolutely brilliant. I'm I can't believe that he's 25 now and he, he's only just. I mean, maybe yeah, he was good for not, but I don't know how other clubs in realize how good he was. He's he's so good. Like I I I I think he. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm biased. Or I don't know. But he's just—he just looks like a top-class player. Well, I think some, one thing that that was an indictment on him is that he—he—he he, he can do it in Marseille, but what he failed to do in Nantes was to be decisive, to get those assists and those goals. Well, his finishing is terrible. Yeah, his finishing is so. He really needs to improve. But but no, he's such a good footballer. And every time you you see him, you think he's going to lose the ball and stuff, and he just he, like the ball's like stuck to his feet, and he just manages to sort of slalom his way out of things and his passing yeah. is usually like spot on the odd occasionally he makes too ambitious of a pass and um it's a bit wasteful but for the most part it's just it's fantastic he was freaking cut teams apart with his passing i mean what, what what impresses me the most is his physicality i mean we're talking about a guy who, yeah, he's 25, but he, you know, him and Maxime Lopez are not very dissimilar in terms of their shape and build. His, not, I don't, I don't necessarily mean his physicality in terms of his muscle on the ball or whatever. Even though he's got a lot of that, because let's face it, if you're an opposition player and you're in possession, he is hounding you from the second you touch the ball, which is not what you want because he's putting you under pressure straight away. And he's for, he, he often forces opposition players into mistake. But I just mean in terms of 
the ground he's able to cover. I mean, I don't know if we can we can look at his stats in terms of how many kilometres he runs a game, but it's it's bloody incredible. He seems to be everywhere and, ev- and, and nowhere all at once. He's he's covering kilometres. He's helping Sakai to defend at right back, and then next thing you know, 20 seconds later, he's in, he's on the edge of the penalty area, passing out from left to right or something. So. And he, and he does that for the full 90 minutes. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he keeps himself going. He's got mm. a hell of an engine in him. Mm. So that's that's what impresses me the most about him, is, is the way he just... He's consistently getting himself around the pitch. He's in key positions, cutting passing lanes. But also going forward, he's then able, able to find a burst of pace and, and just stride past a couple of players. Mm. And it, mm. I mean, we'll see we'll see when how he fares when the, the going gets rough, but... It looks like with the likes of Payet and Tova, he seems to be that kind of player that that he's not a supporting like cast. He is like one of the founding cornerstones of of how the team kind of like marches. And then he if, it, if he doesn't play well, the midfield together doesn't play well. Whereas that's the opposite with Sanson. Whereas he can, Sanson can be brilliant when the team is also brilliant. But when the team is mm. kind of losing one nil against Mess away. Sanson is not the player to kind of rally the players against around him, whereas Rangier seems to be that player. And then maybe it's because he was a captain for Nantes for so many years and he, he kind of accepted all that role. But he's got, he, he looks he's got like, the leadership, yeah. Yeah, mm. he, he's got this leadership kind of quality about him and not just through kind of his leadership skills, but also like he's just leading players by example, you know, like... Yeah. If you're Sanson, how can you? If you're Sanson, how can you see what he's doing on the other side? Know that you're physically capable of doing that because you're taller, you're stronger, you're more. You, in some ways, you're more athletic. You, you have to kind of get up to par. You, you can't just slack when you've got such like a, at least a brilliant player at the moment right next to right next to you, right next to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we said it often last season when we we're analysing the shit show of games we had, but. We were saying that all of our players in midfield are too similar. They're all standing still. They've all got the same profile where none of them really seems to be different from one another, etc. I mean, yeah, Rongier is a completely different animal from any of the other players we've got. I mean, he, he just he's very nifty on the ball. He's very, very he's got that fighting spirit, he's very combative, and, and he's got the physicality to go with it. So as you say, he is I think he's driving all the other players around him to raise their game and they're all, he's making them shine, and that's that's what we want. He he is the leader that we've lacked in midfield for a couple of years now. We had it with Gustavo for a while, but that didn't last long because he didn't have anybody next to him that could fulfil the same role. But Rongier seems to be able to play in any position in that midfield and, and make a really good go of it. And and whereas just final point about about Rongier, but whereas I'd be a lot more willing to sell. I mean, it's a long ways away thinking about selling players, but. Whereas I'd be more willing to sell Sanson because of, uh, of kind of the fact that for me he's just a supporting player. He's not kind of he's not just the cornerstone of the team. But I feel like Roger has got those intangibles where it, it doesn't matter how much we'd sell him, we just wouldn't get that money back because he 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 could potentially be like the captain of your team. I mean, once Mandanda leaves, Roger has got the experience and he's done it before Nantes, and I, I think. We should be keep. Like, that's the kind of player we need to keep for the long term and kind of ward off all potential offers because that that's how you build a squad. That's how. That's the kind of man you want to build your squad around. Of course, but well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about it. I don't think you'll ever get a big 
money move. Um, I think he's the kind of player that a lot of um, clubs and big leagues stupidly ignore because they think he's small or what, or he's not. Yet. He's not. He's he's already in his mid twenties. I don't think anyone will spend big big money on him, which doesn't. Which is silly because he's probably a lot better than a lot of players that go for much bigger fees than he does, you know. And players that will go on to become, you know, you know, there's put this. I, I dare say it, but there's players that they get picked for France every every, you know, every international break that I think Rangier has got more ability than them, you know. So mm. I think he's a very underrated player, and he probably always <laughs> the so same way that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, total different type of player, but. Ten years ago, um, I remember feeling this way about um, Sheru all the time. I always thought, why doesn't he ever get picked for France? Like, you know, he's, he's such a good player. Like, there's lots of players that picked that are, you know, that were flat and stuff, and we needed someone in midfield. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Rongier should be in the France team, but I'm just saying there's players that they off they get recognition in football and not in ones that don't sadly and I, I've got a feeling Rongier might be one of these guys that just always gets overlooked mm. right uh, okay. final comment on yep. Rongier is I, I think we've, we've look we know how Marseille fans love a comparison but you know we've signed many a player from Nantes over the last few years I think the last midfield that we signed from Nantes was Salomon Lembe <laughs> you, you guys all remember that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was he was a decent player in the league. Yeah. He, he won the league with Nantes in 2000. He was he was a pretty good player, but he never did it for us. But yeah. he was quite just, young when he got when he, when we signed him as well. He was still, yeah, it was only his, yesterday was his birthday. He was only 39. I was like, really? Okay. But, did um, he sponsor you to drop that name in there? <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, yeah, seeing him yesterday did remind me of when was the last time we signed the midfielder from Nantes, and he was the one. But. Um, well, a good midfielder, but the, the comparison today of Rongier is, is the new Didier Deschamps. That's what people are saying. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot of Photoshop pictures of Deschamps with Rongier's face swapped on him. Yeah. I guess we'll see. I mean, that, that, that's, we can only hope that he becomes a Deschamps of Marseille. Um, right, so let's move on to, to, to the front three, uh, seeing the time that we've got left. Um, so Payet was put in the left wing, along with Bounassar on the right wing. And like you, like you mentioned, Ben, um, Benedetto sadly pulled out um, just before the game. Um, remind me why? He got an injury, didn't he? He picked up an injury during the warm-up. It, no, um, in front, on Saturday, apparently in training, he, he had um, a big sort of muscle strain. Okay. So he could have played. villas said he could have played, but they didn't want to take risks. So they, they just decided to withdraw him. Right, so okay, fine. So he so Benedetto who was supposed to play and, and they all kind of trained together and practiced to, to have Benedetto up front sadly pulled out because um of an injury. So Jaman took his place. Um a lot to talk about about these three players. Um you guys can focus on whichever player you want. I'll probably decide to talk about Payet, my uh my <laughs> personally my the fa- my favourite player of the two thousand and tens. He's I, I think Payet is insane and Yes, he is. Like, when you look at yesterday, he's in that form of the Bielsa season. He is in that form of the 2017 Europa League final run season where it seems that every other year, Payet gets up for six months or so and every everything goes through him. And everything that he attempts just, just works, you know? Whether it's just, like, you, he goes through runs when he can't even take a corner properly... But at the moment, he's in that kind of this phase where all of his corners are connecting, his free kicks are, are very dangerous. 
He had a pretty shit corner in the first half, mate. He's still, he's still not started banging in the free kicks yet either. Like this, he's dangerous, buddy. He hit the crossbar against Brest. True, but I mean, remember when he was like West Ham, he scored a free kick like every other game. At one point, you know, every time they had a free kick, you thought he was going to score. Yeah, he's I still think. not quite there yet, but he's definitely playing, you know, um, at a much higher level than we'd seen for a while. He's definitely playing with confidence and enjoying his football again. Yeah, he so yeah so he obviously he was man of the designated man of the match um, with his uh, assist in terms of he got he, the highest rating. Pyatt was man of the match. So he's got the highest rating, yeah. So because like, personally, I I I thought so. Sanson was probably man of the match to be honest. But I thought he he did so much work. I thought Pyatt was great, but I actually thought Sanson was. was I the, thought I thought Amavi was, but hey. <laughs> but I mean, that's well, good. I mean, there were so many good performances. It's a good problem to have, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, regardless. Um, so obviously he had six shots. He did have that assist to to kind of make that sh- like momentum shifting um, equalizer to Amavi right outside, right out of the of the dressing room. Um, but he also had that that good combination and and shot in the first half. And overall, he just seems to to have a hold on this team, which. Personally, as a side note, it makes me wonder how Turban's going to fit in this team because he, he absorbs so much of the ball. Um, but that's enough of me. How did you guys... Um, what did you guys make of our, of our strike force, seeing that we that we had 25 shots? Um, 25 shots, only only seven on target, though. Um, ben, what, what did you make of, of our strike force, of our trio? Yeah. Well, the, the absence of Benedetto in the first half was clearly felt because he, he just... Even when he's not decisive, he just gets him gets himself about so much, and, and his range of passing and his technical ability, whether it's his first touch from a clearance that goes straight to him, etc., to play it back to one of his his teammates, it really helps us build attacks. But um, I think, I mean, Payet, he's on the form he's in, and as you say, when he's in this form, he's unplayable. Whether it's against a big team or a small team, he just when he's able to turn it on, he turns it on with style. Which, which, again, is my criticism of him because we, we've not seen enough from him since we re-signed him. But hey, at least he's doing it now, so let's all enjoy it. Um, I think Saar, again, just had a balanced game. It's probably one of his worst games. Not a bad game, but it wasn't, it wasn't as good as his past few performances where he got an assist or he, he set up a clear opportunity. And he's still disappointed put in a solid Came in, came yeah. out. No, he just put in a shift. He puts in a shift. I think people expect too much from Sam, guys. It's Bunasar. The fact that he's even getting assists and goals is, is a fucking miracle. So let's just take it. <laughs> so, look, I'll never, I'll never... How has he lasted so long at this club? How many years has he been here? He's been, he's been here for three and a half, hasn't he? Yeah, since 2015. It feels like longer than that, I have to say. Four, four but, and a half, fuck yeah. But, um, but yeah, I just can't believe he's lasted so long. We generally... We rarely have anyone for more than like three seasons, you know, and then they, they're usually gone in French football. And he just seems like he's always here. We can't get rid of him. And apart from the first season, he's been playing a lot. I know. Oh, right. Who, who wants him? Who wants him? That's the question. You know, like... Somebody does, doesn't it? He seems to be pleasing someone at the club because he keeps him. He gets... No, no, but I mean, who. who... That's why he's still here. Who else wants him? No one, clearly, because he's still here. So mm. it, it is what it is. I think we, we played well. Um, before we go into the play-by-play, I think Germain, a lot of people will bash him. Um, we've got to remember that he's barely played over the last few weeks. 
And that's that's Villas Boas's choice. He's benched him and he's played even on the right wing. He's played other plays instead of him. So he's obviously short of match fitness. But I think that although he's as frustrating as ever with his positioning, because that's my number one criticism of him, is he never seems to know where to where to be. He's never in the box when we when we have a crossing opportunity, and he's always on the edge. Always makes that first run when we do have someone that's in a crossing opportunity. So we always commit and go to the near post to try and create space for a teammate, but there's never anybody there. So that's the frustration. But I think that he created a lot of space for Payet last last night. And that was how Payet was, was able to be so free, notably in the beginning of the second half where we really turned up the, the tempo a bit. He created a lot of space in behind for, for Sanson and Payet. So that, that's, that's his contribution, but he will never contribute goals and assists to this team. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I, I guess I, I. I feel that. Um. I. I agree. To be honest, I. I don't really feel. You know. I don't. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of Sar. And I think. Um. Thinking about the the front three generally, I think. You know. I agree with you. Germain wasn't really in the game much. He, but maybe that's partly because he's. Well, he's. Been out of. You know. He's been out of the lineup much recently. He's not had a lot of minutes, but he's also just often like that, isn't he? Um he's very inconsistent. Some sometimes I'd say like maybe his movement and the things he does um I go unappreciated, but to be honest I didn't feel like last night that he had that much impact on the game at all. Um I actually think though like although you know we played a lot of good attacking football and we were in control of the game and we won three one, I think it's worth remembering that the three goals that we scored Pretty much all three of them were. D- there's really big errors made by Bordeaux defensively for each yeah. goal. Yeah, that's um, yeah. So the score kind of tells a little bit of a lie about how well we we are playing going forward. You know, um, so if, and if say for example, um, Bordeaux. I mean, like was it this Sanson's goal? I mean, the the goalkeepers passing it out from the back through the middle. And they get caught out, and then the defense is just sort of trying to pass the ball around out of this like situation. It's just it's totally ridiculous why why they're not just punting the ball up the pitch. I mean, they basically gifted us that goal. Um, Man, when that happened, did you guys have a flashback to the Europa League final? With, yeah, with <laughs> I mean, it was worse than that though. But... <laughs> well, they, well, yeah, as well as as well as we we talk about our own players, I think. The, the, the Bordeaux defender Pablo had a fucking shocking game. He was awful last night. Yeah, well, Koscielny did a good job of stopping Payet's goal with his face at one point at the start of the game. <laughs> I don't remember that. That was a good block. But yeah, apart from that, the, the defence just made too many errors, particularly in the second half. They kind of, I, I don't know, it seems like they lost the they lost their bottle a bit. And that's kind of partly why we won, you know, so convincingly, was that they were making so many mistakes. Although, I mean, maybe we would have found those goals anyway. I don't know. But um, I think we were lucky as well going forward. But in, in thinking about those errors, maybe that also just shows you how poor, like, Germain was. You know that he couldn't capitalise that and actually get get any chances, let alone goals. Well, he he just seemed to not be able to get out of of like like the the defenders. He seemed to follow that. Yeah. He seemed to just hide behind them. And it's one criticism that we make of him when you actually look at how he plays. He's like he looks like he's just following the same runs as the defenders. He's not trying anything to get out of there when that should be his like number one attribute. 
should be because he's not big, but he's like small and a little shifty. He should be able to kind of make himself be forgotten by the defense and then just leap in front. But he seems to just be just following the defenders. Yeah, yeah but that's that's the main criticism we've had from, with about him from from since he joined is that, and and we've always known this. Everywhere else he's played, he's never played as the lone striker. And yet we insist on, on thinking that he can do a job for us there, which, yes, it's a makeshift job because Benedetto's out injured, but unlike Benedetto, Benedetto could pick the ball up at 30 yards, dribble a couple of plays, take a shot and create something for himself and score. Jamar's never been capable of doing that anywhere any club he's played. So he's more akin to, to a number 10. He plays as a number 10. He's like the, you know, the sort of inside forward that you would play against next to someone else. And we've said this forever about him. Mm. Yet... We still keep playing him as a lone striker and keep seeing the same performances, and everybody keeps criticising. Although we know exactly, we should know exactly what to expect when we start him there by himself. Yeah, but you know that when we say this about him, about his poor performance, and you know, like next week he'll play and he'll score a winning goal with a nice header or something, and we'll all forget about it. You know, for 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 one week he does have a tendency to kind of bounce back when you least expect it you know when he you know after a period of um poor form he, he often does come up with the goods particularly in like in i wouldn't say in big games but there's in some big some big games yes there's been moments where we've needed points and germans come through um yeah so quite did a few it. times last season he managed to kind of win us some points in extra time that that i would give you but it's not for me i i i don't know I've, I've, he, he doesn't give you. He's, he's got no added value. He brings nothing to the table. He doesn't contribute to the build. I, 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 I he doesn't harsh, finish it. He's but... not clinical. He, oh, I don't know. He's not. He's not necessarily clutch like either. He just have like I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But I mean, hopefully, Benedetto's yeah, not too injured. He's always good. No, Benedetto should be back. He'll be back in training tomorrow. Yeah. That's what I said. But he, no, Germain is all we've got. It, it is a fact and. You know, for people who were very keen to send Mitroglou out on loan, I'm not going to praise Mitroglou or sing his praises, but... Who will you know, be he, back he next is, season? He, well, yeah, but he's a lot more... He's a natural centre-forward that can play up front and, and hold the ball and do something. Whether he does it well or not is another matter, but mm. Germain has never been that type of player. So it, it is it is fact that Germain will give you the same performance in that position week in, week out. Mm. Yeah. yeah okay and um, last but not least uh, we'll just give some quick words about, about the substitutes um, so Radonic came on uh, as well as Strootman and Lopez um, obviously Radonic scored um, more for confidence than anything else he was basically just given given the ball by Rangier just basically to just blast it past the keeper it wasn't wasn't a necessarily difficult shot to make but I mean you still have to slot it in at the end of the day so he managed to get his third goal in four games um, and then Streetman came, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, it didn't say when he came on, um, and Lopez played I think it was well. the, the 80, 84th minute Streetman, yeah, and so, then Lopez came on the 70th minute. Yeah, so not, not, not much game time for Streetman, but I mean, a, a fairly large sample size for Lopez, who played over 20 minutes. Um, any any mentions you guys want to make about about them them three guys? So that, Well, Radonich, again, very... You see, when, he, when he's got the ball, he's got pace, he runs forward, he's got technical ability, but he's, he's usually frustrating. He's, he's now looking sharper, he's looking more confident in his ability, so he's, he's a threat every time we have the counter-attack. And there was actually a good chance before he did score where Payet, I felt, hold, held on to the ball too much, and Radonich was free on goal on the left. 
And when he yeah. did play it to him, he was offside. So he's he's making those runs. He's not giving up his belief in himself over, over all these these months, and it's paying off now because he's getting the goods. But yeah, he came on, and as, as he now feels like a credible option from the bench, he can come on and yes, he's scoring. But he also created a couple of chances. I think he, he lined up Rongier and he, he had a deflected shot at some point. So, Are we yeah, going to start him? Good. Huh? Are we going to start him? No, not oh, yet. Never no, you, you can't start him. Not yeah. yet. And, and the only highlight I remember of Lopez's, Lopez's contribution was a bit anonymous. He did get a couple of balls back in midfield, but that's about it. Streetman, the highlight for me was when he, was, he made a run forward. Oh, for fuck's sake. And played it out to him, and it was brilliant because he took three touches of the ball on the left of the penalty area, and then he, he fired in a very like just a standard subpar cross. And no, not one single point did he raise his head and look up. He just he yeah. was eyes on the ball the full time. I'm going to run forward. I'm going to knock it a couple of times. Then I'm going to cross it in and hope for the best. And it was just like, mate, are you just on autopilot? And yeah, no, like I know you can't. You, that's not what we expect them doing. But if if you're being put in that situation, like you're allowed to try to make something out of it. Yeah, and especially especially at that point, we were still only two one out, and you're thinking you you'd think if that's Payet or someone, and they look up and they see no credible option, they're going to run to the corner flag and hold the ball or or wait for a teammate. It's just the fact that Struman just looks so desperate, shitting himself. What am I doing out on the left <laughs> wing? What should I do with the ball? Threw it away. Yeah. I just found it hilarious. Yeah, no, that was shocking. Um, right, so um, next game is against Metz, uh, Metz next week. Metz, who's currently sitting in the 18th position, um, and then we're going to follow up from that playing Nîmes at home, who are currently bottom of the league. So, not the worst um, schedule and the run-up to Christmas. Um, obviously, two wins are our must-do for Marseille to kind of make sure... That we spend a comfortable Christmas and the start of the start of um, of January. A notable mention, though, whilst we're doing the podcast, uh, the draw for the French Cup, the Coupe de France, has been drawn, and Marseille is playing against Trelisac, a uh, national Wait. two team who we have played in 2016 with Mitchell. Um, what are they called? Trelisac. Trelisac. Oh, so when was, we played was... them, we we went two 0 Darren Fletcher scored. Darren Tred, Fletcher really scored. I can't really, I can't really remember that. See it written down. Darren, Darren Fletcher, Fletcher scored. scored. You should you should know Steph. You should. I know, need to I need to see it written down. I can't quite read <laughs> what you're saying. T R E L I S S A C. Trelisac. No, I can't remember. Um, but the Scottish should... national treasure score. Yeah, we're not all related, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and just to cap off the, the episode, um, we did get a question on Twitter um, asking us essentially about the run of games uh, coming up. Because Marseille's been on this is this wonderful um, carpet ride with six wins in a row against some very strong opposition. You know, Lyon, Lille, third place Angers, third place um, Bordeaux. And so when you look ahead, we've got Metz and Nîmes. But we're going to start off the new year with some fairly difficult, um, difficult games. We've got Rennes away, we then have Bordeaux away, we have Saint-Étienne away, and we've got Lille away as well, within this first six fixtures of, of the new year. Out of all of those teams, which one do you think will is most likely to trip us and kind of end our unbeaten streak? Oh, Rennes, I think. Rennes away, you reckon? 
I think we're already in the league. They're not third, fourth. They're fourth, aren't they? And they've got a game in hand. So if they win their game in hand, they go third. Yeah, they go third, um, only four points away from us. Yeah, so they're, I think they're, they're, they're a dangerous team. And Niang scored two goals, didn't he, the other day? He's looking, yeah, so yeah, and Ren is currently good. on four wins out of the last five games. Yeah. But, I mean, that's after Christmas, so we don't really know what it's... After the break, we don't know what it's going to be like, do we? Um, I think the two games we've got coming up before Christmas, we should win those games, and if we don't, then we fuck up, haven't we? Um, we we're too good right now to be losing or dropping points. But when you look at it, look at the bottom three. First four fixtures back, we've got Ren away, right? Marseille Angers at home, which is not a, it's not an easy fixture as we've seen. Border mm-hmm. away, to which we have not won for 43 years. That boring, isn't it? Playing the same teams we've just played. I know, and then Saint-Etienne away, straight away, we're playing two games away in a row. I mean, yeah. we're not. it's not exactly like it's going to look like a four-win four win run, is it? No, but I mean, uh, to be honest, like if you if if we're going to finish high up in the league, we need to, we need to play these games in it, and we need to win these games, whether they're hard or not. I, I don't. I mean, I think it could be worse. Yeah. I think more more importantly, you need to not lose those games. Um, you know, if you don't win them, but you get a draw away to to Saint Etienne and Bordeaux, yeah. it, it's okay. But yeah, as you say. Steph, rightly so, with, with the next few games, they're easy games on paper, but also if you guys look at the other fixtures going on, all of our rivals are playing each other, all playing PSG. Yeah. So, Ren, I think, are going to Monaco in, in, on the last game before Christmas, and then um, Bordeaux are playing Lyon. There's, there are a few yeah. tough fixtures against the Saints. Yeah, so Lyon Ren... got Champions League, don't they? And they've still got to play Monaco twice. Yeah. And Lyon as well. as well got Champions League and probably Rudy Garcia masterclass incoming elimination. Yeah, Ren is playing Lyon on Sunday and then Monaco next weekend. Yeah, I think to be honest, right now Leo, the team that we really need to not drop any points to because they look they look like they're getting into form again. They're playing quite uh, difficult fixtures as well. They're playing Montpellier next weekend and then Monaco away. Yeah. Difficult, difficult run of games. Anyway, so we just passed uh, the hour mark for the podcast. Um, so we'll probably round it off here, guys. Um, um, so have you got anything else you'd like to mention? Um, or do you like to save anything else for next week? Yeah, I, I got very briefly just to say that there's a couple of things happening around the club I'm, I'm hearing um, in the last couple of days are just quite positive. So just seeing um, Zubi Zareta's comments about his relationship with Vilas Boas. Um right. there's some just some quite positive things going out going out there and it just looks like they're actually working well together, that they're getting along and that they're in sync unlike what you know the relationship that we we think existed between Garcia and Zubi Zaretta. Um <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's really positive. It looks like everyone's really happy with exactly. Vilas Boas. Um, I mean, obviously, when you're winning, that's the case, isn't it? But it just it's, and the players are constantly coming out and saying things, aren't they, about how they feel um, they've got a good rapport with the manager, they feel more confident and stuff, and dropping little hints that it wasn't like that before. So that's really good um, to see that there's um, that things are actually working well behind the scenes. Um, and then secondly, I think I today I read this 
you know, we've recently been expanding like all these like youth schools into like various countries in Africa. Like, there's something going that I'm, I'm, I'm I read today on Twitter somewhere about something they're doing in Senegal as well. Like, the, yeah. I didn't get the, de- the full details of it. But so I think yeah, so Generation Foot is the is the the famous Senegalese um um kind of academy that's linked with yes. Metz, who's produced Ismanasar, uh, Mane, and Bounassar right, okay. as well. Um, and and Marseille's partnered up not with Generation Food but kind of the the second the second um, place academy uh, which is Dambray I believe Dambray. So, the, the, I mean they, they it's not they haven't currently they haven't kind of produced a lot of a lot of, of stars. The last one they had was two thousand and nine and that was that was Idrissa Gay, uh, playing for okay. PSG. But it was yeah. I mean it was it was nearly ten years ago. Um, but I mean so, some people have mentioned that. The reason why that might be is not because of the talent there, but because they're they're lacking the connections to make to get their players to Europe. Um, so I don't know, it's yeah. always good to have connections, especially in Africa, where it's a it's where so many talents kind of originate from. And Marseille's got such a good connection with fans there. Yeah, they've got a big support base in Africa as well, you know. So and that's oh, yeah, something no, yeah. that we need to continually build that relationship so that. We maintain that um, following in that continent, you know, because the more people that support us, obviously, the better it is for the club's the club's global image, you know, and 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 following, I guess, and the ability to make profits out of fans that buy their shirts and watch the games and stuff, you know. So well, on that point, they, um, I mean, last night, I mean, I've done a few guys saw before the game. There was a whole that was a big marketing play last night. Was we had a special OM Africa logo designed for the game last night, and it was. Apparently, they're going to do this on an annual basis now on the same day, which is pr- promote the ties between OM and Africa. And all of our ex-African legends were there. So, Mbia, Taiwo, Nyon, Drogba, Kabore, Boli, Abedipule, they were all at the game. They all had their, you know, they all posed for a picture with their shirts. Um, Jamel Belmadi, who won the Africa Cup of Nations with Algeria, who was who was a fun player for us at a certain time. Um, I remember him throwing his boot in the stands after scoring against Strasbourg. The new Sudan, wasn't he at the time? Yeah. Um, so no, it's, as you say, I think we're really making a play on this African thing. And, and to be fair, no other club is. So we should be though. We've always yeah. had um, we've always had a strong connection with that continent. We've always had lots of good players come through um, our club, you know, African players. So yeah, we should be. So yeah, was, yeah, good good point. Bringing up a positive initiative, set. Yeah. Okay. Makes um, sense. Well, thank you very much for listening, guys. We'll probably catch you next Monday then, after hopefully um, an, another very difficult game in Mass. Probably the weather's being a bit different than uh, than in Marseille down there. But um, yeah. So thank you for thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Um, all right. Bye bye. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye.